This is Spectrum Stories, the podcast for Spectrum, the leading source for news and expert opinion on autism research. I'm Jacob Brogan. For parents, seeking to make a difference in the development of a child with autism can be a daunting process. What works for one child may not yield results in another, and the resulting frustrations sometimes lead parents to embrace alternative and often untested therapies. In a new article for Spectrum, journalist Brendan Burrell explores one such approach. Known as the Sunrise Program, it is created and operated exclusively by the Option Institute's Autism Treatment Center of America. Some parents and caregivers spend tens of thousands of dollars on Sunrise's training programs, all in the hopes of helping their children. As Burrell writes, the Option Institute advertises that the program can cure some children with autism and achieve significant improvements in almost all. But researchers in the field have expressed concerns about those promises. Among other things, they worry that there is no empirical evidence that backs up the Sunrise Program's claims. For this episode of Spectrum Stories, we talked to some of the parents who committed to the program. We'll also listen in to some of the materials that have helped sell the program over the years, including a 1979 made-for-TV movie that aired on NBC. One of the parents that I spoke to is Suresh Bodapati, whose son Jay received an autism diagnosis at three and a half. For the next seven years, Jay's parents would bring him in for applied behavior analysis, or ABA therapy, which is the standard treatment paradigm for those with autism. As time passed, the Bodapatis grew discouraged. They felt that ABA wasn't yielding the kind of changes that they hoped to see in their son. When Jay was 10, an acquaintance told them about Sunrise, and they were intrigued. Soon after, they traveled from California to Massachusetts, where the Option Institute's 100-acre campus is located. Here's how Bodapati explains what they learned. Essentially, it's um, you know more than techniques. It's more about having the right attitude and how we um, how we interact with the kid, not to fix the kid necessarily, but to understand the kid, build a relationship with the kid, and in the process, if the kid responds more, and you know uh, that's that could work. But otherwise, it's more of connecting with the kid first as the the Bodapatis have now been employing the Sunrise Method for four years. This, as Bodapati explains it, is what it involves. So the, the way the program works is we have a notion of something called a playroom. So it's, it's any room in the house which is dedicated for Sunrise, essentially, where uh, the child and the facilitator, that's the person working with the child, could be the parent or any volunteer or anybody else, Basically, just the two of them are in the room, and you know, any typical sunrise session would be like from 45 minutes, one hour, something like that. During those sessions, the facilitator sits with the child, mirroring his behaviors and otherwise looking to acknowledge and encourage any moments of contact or communication, but always, as Bodapati puts it, on the child's own terms. Here's what he said when I asked if they'd found it helpful. Definitely helpful. Uh, so essentially, we took him out of school. Uh, we decided to homeschool him, and it was not that he was getting a lot of help at school academically, or but he was he was very stressed out. He had a lot of issues acting up because uh, he was not happy essentially. But with Sunrise, with the um, program, the much happier kid over the years has become much more calmer, and. Um, 
you know, his communication skills have improved quite a bit. And we are able to, as a family, we are definitely having a much calmer and more relaxed and better time. And uh, Jay is in a happier place. To really understand the appeal of Sunrise, you have to start with its history. That name, Sunrise, is a pun. The organization spells it S-O-N-R-I-S-E. It's presumably a reference to the actual son of the program's charismatic founder, a guy named Barry Kaufman, who is known to his family and admirers as Bears. Kaufman's son Ron, spelled R-A-U-N, received an autism diagnosis at 18 months. Initially, Ron's parents struggled to find more conventional treatment for him. As Kaufman tells it in his 1976 memoir, they were frustrated by the therapies and other institutional methods available at the time. Catherine Lord, director of the Center for Autism and the Developing Brain at Whale Cornell Medicine, remembers reading that book not long after it was published. There were a lot of concerns then about it because it was very different than the approaches that were popular at the time, but it also there were also some very good aspects of it. They were going to try to build on what their child liked to do, which I think has limits, but also has components of good. In 1979, that memoir was turned into a fictionalized made-for-television film. The film dramatizes the feelings of impotence that the Kaufmans experienced when they first sought help from medical professionals. Here's one scene. He is already almost impossible to reach, and that will not change. There would be no difference if we were to begin now or two years from now. At best, Ron will learn a few minimal tasks, if you're lucky. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Dr. Field. Are you saying that autism is, is not curable, it's, it's, it's not treatable? I'm saying that we can't offer you much hope. I'm sorry. Frustrated, the Kaufmans decide that they have to find their own way to respond to Ron's needs. At first, they're not sure what they're going to do, but they know it has to begin by studying Ron himself. Here's how the fictional Bears Kaufman, played by James Ferentino, explains it to his own father. I gotta do it. judge's behavior as being good or bad. We're going to start by watching the only expert we have, Ron. We're going to follow him from the moment he wakes up till he goes to sleep. Susie will take notes, I'll take pictures, we'll get a, a view from every side, how he plays, what he likes, dislikes, what he reacts to, what he reacts against. There's only Ron can give us the answers. As the movie continues, the Kaufmans do just that. Employing a method much like the one described by Bodapati, they convert one of their bathrooms into a confined playroom, a space stripped of sensory distractions. Family members sit with Ron. They mirror his self-stimulatory behaviors and otherwise attempt to encourage his efforts to communicate with them. Eventually, Barry Kaufman goes so far as to quit his high-powered advertising job. In the film, the family's efforts yield surprisingly effective rewards. Within a few weeks, Ron begins to make quick gains. By the time the credits roll, he has improved so dramatically that almost all signs of his autism have vanished. Today, 
the real Ron Kaufman serves as one of the Option Institute's most prominent spokespeople and its global director of education. As Burrell writes in his Spectrum article, the Institute claims he has a near-genius IQ. The Option Institute's embrace of dramatic stories like Ron's, stories of total recovery, raises concerns. Even when and if they are true, it's often difficult to determine why or how any given individual reached an optimal outcome. For Catherine Lord, that concern is central. I think there were exaggerated claims, and I think that's my biggest reservation. You know, I don't think we can cure autism. I think there are people that really do move out of autism, so I think that really does happen, but I don't think anybody knows exactly how it happens and when it happens. So to say that any any one program can make that happen is really... A misstatement. So that's my that's my concern. The Option Institute and its representatives still hold that what seemed to work well for Ron decades ago can work for many more children today. Here's how Ron Kaufman put it in an appearance on Fox News in 2014. Now we've been doing this for 35 years at the Autism Treatment Center of America with thousands of children, and we see the same results. Anecdotally, at least, the Option Institute doesn't actually see the same results in all or probably even most cases. Even parents like Bodapati, who appreciate what the Sunrise program has done for them, speak to its limitations. Another parent that I spoke to said that while it helped her gain contact with her son Sam, its advantages were limited. We'll call her Liz because she asked that we not use her last name in order to protect her family's privacy. In many ways, it wasn't totally effective. There are other issues that Sam has that you know, on cognitive and learning challenges, but it, it couldn't really help address that in the best way um, for Sam's development. Liz also brought up a larger concern, one that researchers in the field sometimes echo. The Option Institute has long discouraged families from seeking other means of intervention, including some of those that have been shown to be effective in clinical studies. The program's website does offer a list of what it calls complementary therapies, including dietary interventions and therapeutic horseback riding. Simultaneously, it still tries to discourage methods such as applied behavior analysis, claiming they, quote, are directly conflictual with the principles of the Sunrise program, unquote, which, quote, hinders the program's effectiveness and confuses the child. Such claims may resonate with the feelings and experiences of parents like Bodapati. However, they trouble researchers who point out that rigorous, independent studies of the Sunrise program's effectiveness are non-existent. That's a sticking point for many, including Lord. I mean, I don't know that they have any data, do they? So that's a big, that's a big problem, a very big problem. Many families who commit to the program end up spending tens of thousands of dollars to pay for training sessions, far more than they would for an ABA regimen. Some parents say that money goes toward a paradigm that underdelivers on its promises. Though Liz has some hesitation about the program, a spirit of celebratory joy still shines through when she talks about what she's taken from it. Let's say you're playing Thomas the Train and, uh, and Sam says, Train, and you say, yes, Sam, you said Train, and you feel such a sense of excitement in you, you know, that he's trying to say train or go train, and you said go train, so you're celebrating your child with an enthusiasm that is like, it's pretty intense, 
because you actually totally feel it. Yeah. You're totally present with, he said, go train. You know, I'm working with him, and I was hoping for the day I'd hear mommy. You know, and I heard mommy after we started doing Sunrise. Listening to Liz talk, I found myself thinking back to similar moments in the Sunrise movie, which she had watched long before she discovered the program. Here's a scene where Ron's mother, played by Catherine Harold, makes a similar connection with her son, who she calls Raunchy, after he first begins to speak. What is this? No, listen to this. What is that? Horse. Yes, it's a horse. And where are you going to put that horse, Raunchy? Yes, how come you're such a smart Raunchy? Let's see. Yes, that's a doggy. Put him in. Where would you put him? Dog goes right there in his little house. Yes, Raunchy's so good. What a little... Oh, Raunchy. Watching this movie, you get the sense that the Option Institute system has as much or more to do with cultivating family dynamics as it does with autism itself. To the extent that Sunrise does help some children with autism, this may be its active ingredient. It's possible that spending time with children is what really matters here, at least when there's a difference to be made. As some studies have shown, the best pathway to an optimal outcome for a child with autism may be to work with him from an early age, regardless of the specific therapy that such work involves. Bodapati, for one, wishes that he and his wife Madri had discovered Sunrise when Jay was younger. Unlike Ron Kaufman, however, Jay, now 14, isn't yet in a position to share his own thoughts about Sunrise, though Bodapati believes his son has enjoyed the process. The one thing about Sunrise is that uh, the door is locked from outside, uh, so the child can't get out. And when we first started the program, that we were very uncomfortable with that. Wow, what's this? Um, but it's like within days, uh, he would actually lock it from outside and go in. And uh, to this date, I mean, uh, he's never bolted out. Um, he's just enjoyed and he knows that after the time's up, we go knock and then we open the door. And uh, so he looks forward to the volunteers. And uh, sometimes the session may be just joining and there's nothing much happening, but that's fine. Even that has a really calming effect on him. I guess that's the best feedback. He doesn't say, I don't want to be in the playroom. Still, the image of a locked playroom door may remain a telling symbol of Sunrise's limitations. Even as the Option Institute tells parents that they have to enter the worlds of their children, it works diligently to protect its own borders. That, in the end, is Liz's concern. For all that she took from Sunrise, she still wonders why it hasn't opened itself to the outside world. One of the things that was difficult for me is that you're working with such an, I mean, really, an extraordinary group of people who really wanted, you felt they wanted the best for you. But then there's this insular quality. And you feel like, why are we keeping it small? If this is so great, why is it just staying within this one organization? Why can't it be duplicated? Why can't it expand out? So there's kind of a protectionism which I guess is related to equality, control, if you will. But you felt like you could only go to them for it. 
you couldn't it couldn't stretch out further. Lord, for her own part, says she would advise families against spending large amounts of money on the program, even if they think there might be something useful in it. I certainly would not invest a lot of money or a lot of time in this because it's not proven. And I think that your child has to, you know, the most important thing in your child is his life with you, and you need to work out your life with him here. And so anything that involves radically changing your life or going somewhere else or doing something that can't be sustained probably isn't worth doing or spending, you know, an extraordinary amount of money. Um, you know, and, and there's no there's no proof. This has been an episode of Spectrum Stories, the podcast for Spectrum, the leading source for news and expert opinion on autism research. To read more on the Sunrise program, check out Brendan Burrell's article, A Cure for Autism at Any Cost, available at spectrumnews.org. Audio for this episode was edited by Mickey Capper. I'm Jacob Brogan.